0: going to talk about, again, part two, breakthroughs in faith. As I shared earlier, when the Lord began to deal with me about 2023, He dealt with me about a year of breakthroughs and blessings. Breakthroughs and blessings. And, of course, we're already seeing that happen, and it's not going to stop. Amen. And so <clears throat> one of the things that we taught about, first of all, on the first day of the year, the first day was Sunday, was breakthroughs. The next week we talked about blessings, and last week, uh, actually, we talked about blessing, blessings, and what it means to bless. So we went through uh, some things there that I think are important to know. And then last week, we started talking about breakthroughs in faith. Because if you're going to have breakthroughs that are significant in your life that come from God, then you're going to have to learn to walk in a level and a dimension of your faith that is what I would call breakthrough faith. And so in doing that, I felt led of the Lord that we should look into a very familiar passage of Scripture for those who have studied the subject of faith, but yet one we still don't know all there is to know about, we're still learning about, and that is Hebrews chapter 11. So if you'll turn there with me, please, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 1. And we also mentioned that in this study of Hebrews 11, and I don't know how long we may be on it, but uh, we are looking actually at three different Bibles, Bible translations, to glean more information than you could get just with one alone. We're going to read and start out with the King James Bible, and we'll read that first. And then we're also going to be looking at the CEV, the Contemporary English Version, and we're going to look at the Amplified Classic Version. It's called. And so, uh, don't worry, we're not going to, you know, read all three of them every time we mention a scripture. But we are going to look at these first, uh, this this first beginning in all three of the translations. So if you will, let's look at Hebrews 11, 1. Uh, and first from the King James, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The Amplified says, now faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed of the things we hope for being the proof of things we do not see and the conviction of their reality. Faith perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. And then the CEV, I like this very short but to the point way that it uh, explains this verse. Faith makes us sure of what we hope for and gives us proof of what we cannot see. I want to read that one again for you. Faith makes us sure of what we hope for and gives us proof of what we cannot see. Father God, this morning I ask that you would open these words to us, help us to understand and may the eyes of our understanding be opened by the Holy Spirit. Grant to us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you and for this we pray and we give you thanks for it in Jesus' name and we ask for utterance in the Holy Ghost that this message will be your message for your people today. And we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. 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 Faith makes us sure. I like that. That means that anything you are unsure of, you are not in faith for. That's one reason we say, and it's not original with me, the the first person I know of who said this statement was the late F.F. Bosworth, and it's in his book, Christ the Healer, Faith begins where the will of God is known. So I will never be in faith for something I'm wondering about. I'll never be in faith for something that I just wish on a fancy about. I am only in faith for those things I am sure of. Now, we pointed out, And we won't be able to take much time with it today. Last week's message is recorded and it's free, available to you. So I encourage you, if you didn't hear it, be sure to listen to it. Uh, If you were here, listen to it again. It'll bless you. But hope is important. You notice it mentions faith makes us sure of what we hope for. Hope is important because hope is a desire that's possible. You know, something that's not possible That you couldn't, and you say, what's impossible? Anything you can't have faith for. Which means anything you can't find in the Word. You know, I might wish to be 20 years old again, but there's no, I can't have faith for that. Glenna showed me a picture, she had some old pictures on her phone, and she showed me this picture of me when, uh, let's see, it would have been 1976, I guess it was. And what a head of hair I had. You just wouldn't believe it. I wish we had that picture up here today. This would have been a good place that we could have showed it to you. You wouldn't believe it. Well, we don't want to go there. Uh, but, so I could wish to go back there, but that's, that's, not, that's not something God's going to do. That's not what he does. And so, therefore, I can't have faith for that. So that's not really hope in this sense. That's just a fancy. That's just a wish. But this kind of hope is a hope that there is a possibility of it coming to pass. In other words, you can hope with an expectation of its fulfillment. You can hope with an expectation of its fulfillment. However, hope without faith, which is the next step, taking you beyond just hope. Hope without faith is a desire with no assurance. Hope without faith is is a desire without the assurance of its fulfillment. And so that's where faith comes in. It is so important because, as the Amplified says, it is the confirmation or the title deed of things that we do not see. It is the conviction or it's that which convinces us of their reality. And I pointed out last time that if you have a a deed to your property and you take it, to the courthouse or you take it to a lawyer's office and there's for some reason you need it and you're transacting business. You don't have to carry your acre of property with you in the back of a truck and and take it to that office. You take the, the deed and for all intents and purposes, that's your property. That is the legal representation. That's the proof you own the property. Faith is the same way. It is your proof of that which you hope for, or that which you desire, that is in keeping with a promise or promises that you find in the Word of God, which is your basis for faith. It, it's, the, it's the proof that you have what you're believing for. You may not be able to see it in with your natural eyes. You may not be able to feel it with your fingers. You might not be able to taste it or touch it, smell it or whatever. Your senses, in other words, are not What's telling you this is real? It is your faith, which is, of course, based upon the Word of God. So your faith is your spiritual documentation. It's the evidence of things that we don't see yet. Faith is never a product of your senses, so it doesn't matter how you feel. Faith is never a product of anything that's natural, so it never matters what things look like. Amen? Faith is a product of the Word of God. That's what we learn. Romans ten seventeen says, So then, faith cometh or comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. I would add in this connotation that obviously Paul was talking about a word that you believe, a word that you are sure of a word that you are familiar with enough to actually take it for yourself and believe it. In other words, like Ephesians 1 calls it, it is something granted to you by the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God. It's revelation knowledge, something you're sure of. You know, you may have read a particular verse many times in your Christian life, and then you may read it one day, and this has probably happened to almost everybody in here. You read it one day, and all of a sudden, you saw it. It's like the light bulb came on. Maybe you read it a hundred times before, but today it's different. What happened? That's the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Him. You'll read about that in Ephesians 1, verses 15 through 23. It's very, very important. It's one of the things that Paul prayed for his converts in Ephesus, that they would have that, because it's it's the thing that you are sure of that you are going to be believing. Otherwise, you're just hoping, you're just wishing, you're just trying it to see, and that's no way to get results. The only way to have results is for you to be sure of what you hope for and to have some proof of what you cannot see. And there are times in all of our lives, if you walk by faith, not by sight, where the only proof you have is what's in the book, God's Word. But that's enough. Praise the Lord. The Word has the power to produce what it describes. The Word has the power to produce what it proclaims. It's a living Word. John six sixty three. Jesus said, the words I speak, they are spirit and they are life. Faith is spiritual. It is now. Because it's spiritual, not natural, then faith is always a now thing. It's not what you're going to believe. It's not what you used to believe. It's what you're believing now. Faith is now. And faith always deals with the unseen. Faith always deals with those things, as we said, that are not perceived by our senses. Now, your senses are important to you. Uh, if you cook on a stove, your senses are important. If you're getting ready to cross the street, your senses are a part of, of, of the way that God created you and made you. Senses are given to you to touch the natural. But faith touches heaven. Amen. Amen. Your senses aren't going to get you through to heaven, but your faith will, praise the Lord. James 1.17 says, every good and perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. And so it's going to take faith to reach up there into that realm and pull those things out into this realm. Amen. So this becomes very important. So we go to the Word, and the Holy Spirit helps us to see the truth of the Word. We become convinced of the Word, and then we base our faith on that truth, and it's that faith that makes us sure. It's that faith that puts us in a position where we can say, I know. I don't just hope, I don't just wish, but I know. So we are never in faith about anything we don't know. We're never in faith about anything we're unsure of. Faith always begins where the will of God is known. The word that you're hearing is producing the faith that you have. Now, I want to stop for just a minute and let you think about that. The word you're hearing, we maybe could say it this way, the words you're hearing is producing the faith you have. And the faith you have is producing the lifestyle you have. So if you're not satisfied with the life that you're living, you're going to have to change what you're hearing and you're going to have to change what you're saying. Now I know a lot of people balk at this. They just don't want to deal with this. They don't think this sounds very religious. They think everything is up to God and, and uh, you know, He just wills that some people are blessed and some aren't. He wills some people are healthy and some aren't. He wills that some people live long and He wills that some people die young. That is not what the Bible teaches. You and I have a part to play. And this issue of faith is a key component. We're going to see in a little while it's not even possible to even please God without this component in your life. Amen. So the word you're hearing, this is worth to repeat. I want to get this into your spirit this morning. The word you're hearing... And that's from all sources. I'll stop for a minute and say that this is from all sources. So how much of your time are you hearing what the world says? How much of your time are you on the phone listening to pure garbage, junk, lies, angry, bitter, people spewing Truth sometimes, untruth sometimes, conspiracy theories other times. How much of your time are you wasting on the 2023 version of the party line called social media? You have to be very careful because the cumulative total of what you're hearing from all sources is producing what you're believing. It's producing the faith you have. I didn't say never. Look at social media. I do. I'm not on Facebook, uh, but uh, you know, I I enjoy, especially teaching and ministry from YouTube. And sometimes there's just some funny stuff on there. (laughs) But I'm saying that the total of your time, if you are spending most of your time with things that you're hearing that have no basis in the Word, they have no spiritual connection. Then you're never going to be strong in faith. Yeah. And whether you think you do or not, it is because of the way God created us that what we hear produces what we believe. Yeah. And so you don't choose what you believe when you need to believe something, you choose what you believe when you choose to listen to something. I'm going to say that again. You don't, you don't choose to believe. When, well, you don't choose what you believe when you need to believe something. You choose what you believe when you choose to listen to something. And so it's very, very important who you listen to and what you listen to. You might need to cut something out. You might need to, to uh, cut something off if it's not producing faith in you. Because I can tell you most of the world is negative. Remember uh, week two of this series, we talked about the blessing, and we pointed out that the default setting of the world is the curse. That's the default setting. The whole world without Jesus is operating to a greater or lesser extent under the curse. And so that's the default setting out there. So that means most people, that's where they're going to talk. That's how they're going to think. That's how they're going to live. And so, you know, it may be necessary that you don't spend as much time with certain people as you have in the past. Doesn't mean you don't love them. It doesn't mean you don't pray for them. Doesn't mean you don't witness to them. But you need to make sure that you're not letting your ears become garbage bins for somebody else to throw their trash into. And for goodness sake, if they get so far off track with unbelief and bitterness and craziness, you need to at least speak up what you believe. I mean, after all, if, if someone's going to ask me to listen to their foolishness, they should be willing to listen to my truth from the Word of God. Amen? Amen. And there are a lot of things that are not necessarily wrong, but they're just not beneficial. You know, it doesn't mean that you're, I, I'm not really implying here that you're spending all your time listening to filth. I don't mean that. We, don't, we know we shouldn't do that. But if something isn't of any real spiritual value, if something can't really teach you and educate you in some way that is, that is uh, beneficial to you, then why would you bother? Amen. I, I didn't intend to spend this much time with this, but the Holy Ghost stopped me. It's important. The word you're hearing is producing the faith you have, and the faith you have is producing the lifestyle you have. If you're not satisfied with the life you're living, you're going to have to change what you're hearing, and you're going to have to change what you're saying. So faith is a spiritual force, a spiritual commodity that is a product of hearing the word. And by the way, if you, uh, if you speak the word, then you're hearing what you say. So when we talk about hearing the Word, we're talking about two sources. We're talking about outside sources bringing this Word. Like you're listening to me today. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Or any minister or teacher or anybody who's bringing you the truth of the Word of God, that's one way faith comes. But the best way, everybody say the best way. The most efficient, the most uh, 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 quick way that you're going to build your faith is when you hear you. Say the word of God. Amen. It will change your life. Why? Because as a human, you were created to believe what you say. Otherwise, you're a liar. And if you're a liar and you know it, shame on you. You need to repent. If you're a liar and you don't know it, you're a pathological liar. You've got a lying spirit. You need deliverance. Aren't you glad you're in a Pentecostal church? We believe in deliverance. But you, under normal circumstances, you believe what you say. That's why it's so important that you speak the Word of God. That's why it's so important that you get those uh, healing scriptures or get a list of your own. We've got some out there on the, on the welcome desk, and, and they're online. You can get the financial confessions online. You need to get these things going in your mouth. I mean, I've been saved for many, many years. been full-time in ministry over 42 years, and, and I'm still... On a daily basis, I'm confessing these things because I know that faith is not what I was doing. My faith today is not a product of 10 years ago. My faith today is a product of what I'm hearing today. Amen. Now, let's finally move to verse (laughs) 2. Verse 2 of Hebrews chapter 11 says, For by it, we know that means by faith, the elders obtained a good report. Now, notice that carefully. For by it or by faith, the elders obtained a good report. The Amplified says, For by faith and trust and holy fervor, born of faith, the men of old had divine testimony born to them and obtained a good report. The CEV says it this way, It was their faith that made our ancestors pleasing to God. It was their faith that made our ancestors pleasing to God. And as we already read, the elders obtained a good report. So I want to make this statement about verse 2. It's important to know this, that faith always produces a good report. Faith always has a good report. Now I want to say that again. Faith always has a good report. It always produces a good report. <coughs> Excuse me. So, <coughs> if we find ourselves grumbling, griping, complaining, whining, those are not statements of faith because those are not good reports. And I know that sometimes people think it's kind of harsh, and they think maybe we shouldn't uh, be that harsh. But the fact is, we need to, if we can't hear truth in church, where are we going to hear it? You're not going to hear it in the media, generally. You're not going to hear it in, from politicians, generally. Uh, you're going, you, if you can't get it in tr- uh, church, where are you going to get it? And so here's a hard truth. Nobody wants to hear us whine. Nobody wants to hear us complain. Nobody wants to hear us gripe. So let's just stop. And if we are so, um, uh, if, we're, if we're in such a state that right now we just don't have a good report that we want to say, which of course we should and need to, but for goodness sake, just don't say Anything. You know, you don't have to answer everything. How do you know that every time your phone dings, you don't have to do something back? Amen. How many you know every time your phone rings, you don't have to do something either? So it's, it's just, uh, you know, we have to understand we must control not only what we hear, but we've got to control what we say. Amen. I hope that's the message you're getting this morning because that is the message. We've not only got to control what we hear, but we've got to control what we say. Now, you'll notice that this uh, CEV version says that uh, it was their faith that made our ancestors pleasing to God. And so we need to spend a little bit of time with that. And for that, we'll need to jump down to verse 6. Verse 6 in the King James says, But without faith it is impossible. Notice it doesn't say it's unlikely. Or there's a good chance. Or it might not. No, it says it is impossible. What does that mean? There's no way. So there's no other way. There's no alternative. There's no substitute. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God, and here he gives us an explanation of the kind of faith that he's referring to, the kind of faith that pleases God, because it says but he that cometh for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and so that's number 1, believe that he is and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Believe that He is, and believe that He is a rewarder. Now let's see what the Amplified Bible says of verse number 6 of chapter 11. It says this, But without faith it is impossible to please and be satisfactory to Him. For whoever would come near to God must necessarily believe that God exists and and this is important and that he is a rewarder you see it it's not enough just to believe in God you say what God requires that you believe in him and something else that he wants you to believe and this really this kind of sometimes causes religious folks' mind to go tilt because it says you must believe that he is and that, or that God exists and that he is a rewarder of those who earnestly and diligently seek him out. God says, you got to believe I'm a rewarder. I don't know about you, but I, I, I like rewards. I like rewards. Amen. And where I come from, rewards means you're better off for having received them. So the whole idea that serving God's going to make you somehow be poorer, more depressed, going to cause you to be sick and basically what we say sometimes, broke, busted, and disgusted, that's not, that's not the idea that God wants you to get at all. The CEV says, but without faith no one can please God. We must believe that God is real and rewards everyone who searches for him. So faith is an absolute necessity in our relationship with God. So since faith is a product of the Word of God, then that means the Word of God is an absolute necessity. You are not going to ever be successful as a Christian if your Bible goes back on the shelf when you get home today and it never comes off until next Sunday when you get ready to come to church. It's just not going to work. You cannot separate the spiritual life, the blessed life, from the Word of God. Faith is an absolute necessity in a relationship with God. All, Listen carefully to this statement. All our covenant and redemptive interactions with God depends on faith. All our covenant and redemptive interactions with God depends on faith. There is no substitute for it. So we must believe that God is real. We're talking about breakthroughs in our faith. And I'm teaching this because I want you to have breakthroughs in your faith. I want I want you to go in your faith life more further, go to go further than you've ever gone before to receive more from God than ever, to have a greater working relationship with God than you've ever had. We don't want faith to be a mystery. We don't want faith to be this mysterious thing that some few old saints have and the rest of us are hoping someday we'll get there. No, I want you to understand you can be strong in faith right now. It doesn't matter what your age or any other, any other physical thing about you. You can, through the Word of God, become strong in faith. We must believe that God is real and rewards everyone who searches for Him. To search here means, and you know, that word was used, uh, I think it was used in uh, the CEV and uh, maybe also in the uh, Amplified, I don't remember exactly. But anyway, the word search means there to search out. It means to investigate. It also means to crave. Could it be said of us that we crave God? We crave His presence? Anybody ever been in love? Whew, and all shook up. <laughs> you remember how that was? All that time you spent on the telephone and all those nights when you just hated to have to separate and he had to leave and all of that, you know, all of that being in love and, and how you wanted to be together for everything, even if it was peanut butter and crackers, you know, just we eat it together, you know, all that good stuff. You craved their presence. You can do that where God's concerned. You can get so close to God that you would actually miss your time with Him. You would crave to be in His presence. To search means to search out, to investigate, to crave. It also means, and this may sound interesting, but it's part of the definition, it means to demand. Now, it's not demanding from God in the sense that we're ordering God around. But we place a demand on what he makes available. You know, uh, the other day, Glenna made some homemade biscuits and gravy. I, that's one reason I know miracles still happen. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. So, what did I do? I placed a demand. I didn't demand her to make them. I know better than that. <laughs> I, I, I didn't demand to make them, but I made, once she had made this, I made a demand by getting some. That's the same way we're talking about with God. We don't demand God in the sense that we're his boss. But once we find out who he is, what he is, and what he does, and what's available to us through the work of Jesus, then I can put a demand on that blessing. I can put a demand on that resource. And so that's part of what this is about. If you're going to please God, you must believe. There's got to be faith, and you've got to believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that... Diligently search, seek, search out, investigate, crave, or demand. And also it means to inquire. And the interesting part of this word, if you if you study it out, is that the word for require also the word for inquire also means require. Inquire, require. I have it in my notes as en, I guess that's right, slash require. Inquire, require. I think inquire's got an eye, doesn't it? (laughs) Well, if you knew I went to school, you'd understand. But anyway, (laughs) inquire, require. You say, what's the significance there? Because to do one is to do the other. What do you mean? I mean that if I choose to honestly inquire of the Lord, because of his promise, he's required to answer me. I didn't put him in that box. He said, I'm here. Seek, and ye shall find. So if I seek, if I inquire, he has obligated himself, so now he is required to answer me. So if I seek after him, and to do it, another two key words here are carefully, diligently. Carefully and diligently. So in other words, it's not casual. It is, the Amplified says, seek him out. And it's not that God's playing hide-and-seek with us. He's not playing games with us. But God is a spirit, the Father of spirits, of just men made perfect. He dwells in that dimension, all this natural realm God created. He's thoroughly familiar with it, but He is above it and dwells in the spiritual dimension. And so therefore, if I'm going to carefully seek God out and I'm going to search for the Lord, if I'm going to investigate, crave, demand, inquire, require, seek after carefully and diligently, then I'm going to have to do that by seeking and requiring things that take me from the natural to the spiritual. And there again, the bridge is His Word because His words are spirit and they're life. And your Bible is the revelation that God gave us of Himself. No man could ever have found God or can find God unless God chooses to reveal himself. And his word is the primary revelation. And Jesus incarnate is the primary personification of who God is. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And so what we understand is that since Jesus went to the the Father, the Holy Spirit has been given. Our two primary ways that we're going to seek God out is through the Word and through a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And that's why it's important to be filled with the Holy Ghost. That's why it's important to speak in tongues and as He gives the utterance, praying in other tongues, developing and using the spiritual language that God has given to us so that we can constantly, carefully, diligently seek out out God and search Him out and investigate, crave, demand, inquire, and require of God this information. You've got to believe that He is, but you've also got to believe He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Now we talked about the diligently seeking part. Let's take a moment or two with the rewards. You cannot go through your Bible from Genesis through Revelation you cannot go through this book and find anybody who sincerely did what we've just described that wasn't blessed. Amen. You're not going to find anybody who was a seeker who didn't find. You're not going to find anybody who knocked on God's door, as it were, and it wasn't opened. You're not going to find a person who entered into covenant relationship with God that was ever the worse for it. And I'm here to tell you today that if you come from a mindset, like many of us have, and I, I had to fight this battle myself and working to renew my mind and still working on it. But if you come from a mindset of, you know, we're just holding on and we're just holding out and y'all pray for me that I hold out true and faithful to thee and I used to go to church week after week after week and time after time after time people would get up and testify and that would be the end of their testimony y'all pray for me that I hold out true and faithful we weren't really sure if we're going to make it or not we hoped we would and 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 so our our whole concept of this thing was is I hope that I'm going to get to go to heaven We didn't even get close to the idea that I'm sure enough going to heaven because I have Jesus in my heart and I'm basing my belief upon the truth of the gospel and the finished work of Christ. We didn't get beyond that point to the point where we're getting ready. Now, let's see what God has in store for me as his kid. We were still wondering if we're a kid, if we stayed a kid, if everything's okay. And don't look at me down the end of your nose. If you came from another school of theology and you think, "Ha, hey, we didn't do that." No, you just thought because you said a prayer one time, it didn't matter what you did. You was making it. Both extremes are wrong. There's a middle of the road here that we need to learn to live in. Amen. But the point is, in my my upbringing, uh, spiritual upbringing, church upbringing, the idea of rewards. <laughs> that that just wasn't that didn't cross my mind that I could really expect that God was going to bless me and He was going to bless me in a really significant way that that, that I could I was going to get rewarded I mean I believed that there would be a reward in heaven. Because we would talk about it, sing about it, preach about it. You know, streets of gold, walls of jasper, gates of pearl. And, you know, we'd rejoice when we all get to heaven. What a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. And, you know, then later on you realize we're supposed to be singing and shouting the victory right now. Because we've already gotten in touch with Jesus. Amen. I haven't seen him in the flesh, but I don't have to see him in the flesh. He's already living inside of me. Amen. I will one day, but thank God we're on our way. And so, uh, you know, the idea of a rewarder, that just was not how God was presented to me. And maybe many of you, probably many of you were in the same situation. It just wasn't presented to you that God was a rewarder. But I want you to look again in Hebrews 11:6. And see what it says. It says he that cometh to God. Must believe. Number one. That he is. And number two. You must believe. That he is a rewarder. Of them. That diligently. Carefully. Seek after him. And search him out. So this is really really important. Really important. Praise the Lord. Now. I, um, I want to go to Mark 6, and we're going to close in Mark 6. Well, maybe. <laughs> Mark chapter 6. Because as we, as we talk about believing that He is, and believing that He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him, we realize that that would mean that unbelief is a problem. The whole idea of faith presents itself in such a way that not to have faith, to be in unbelief, would be the very opposite of what you need to do, the very opposite of of what God wants you to do. And so we see a great example of this in the sixth chapter of the book of Mark and um, verse one, it says, "And he that's, of course, Jesus, went out from thence and came into his own country, and his disciples follow him. And when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing him were astonished, saying, "From whence hath this man these things, And what wisdom is this which is given unto him, that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands? Is not this the carpenter?" the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and of Judah and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. But Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, but in his own country and among his own kin and in his own house. And I want you to notice verse 5. This is important. It's really, really significant. And he could there, doesn't say he wouldn't. It says he could there do no mighty work. Save that he laid his hands upon a few sick folk and healed them. You may have a translation that uses the word sickly folk. Or you might have a translation that says people with minor ailments. In other words, no great outstanding miracle happened here like happened in some other places where Jesus ministered. And then verse 6, we see further more the reason. Not only were they offended, but it says, and he marveled. Now there are only two times recorded in the gospels Jesus ever marveled. One is here, the other is at the faith of the centurion, this he's marveling because of the unbelief of the people. And he marveled. I think one translation says he was astonished. Can you imagine that that the mindset of and the heart attitude of an individual could cause Jesus to be astonished. It's something to think about. It wasn't something that they did outwardly. But it was the condition of their heart. Jesus was astonished. In other words, he was in full recognition, this ought not be. These people should not have this kind of an attitude. He was He marveled because of their unbelief. And then it says, and he went round about the villages teaching. There are two types of unbelief. Two types of unbelief. And both are fixable. That's the good news. They're both fixable. The first is what we find here. The first kind of unbelief is what you find here. Ignorance of the word of God. You say, how do you know that these people were ignorant of the Word of God? Because he needed to teach them. The cure for this kind of unbelief is teaching. Because as we said, faith begins where the will of God is known. Now they also had some heart issues, so they were really guilty probably of both kinds of unbelief. Because the first kind is uh, ignorance of the Word of God. And I'm not calling anybody stupid, I'm just saying not knowing. And the only way to fix this is by hearing the Word of God. So let me stop for just a moment to say this because it's really important. You might be here today and you're facing a real battle. Maybe there's something the doctors can't fix. Maybe there's a real urgent financial need and you don't know how that's going to get fixed. There could be any number of things. And, and you really don't know with certainty and assurance that this is going to be fixed. And so how do you get from where you are to that place described in Hebrews 11:1, 1, where you are sure of those things? How do you get there? You get there by hearing and 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 hearing the word of God. Not just a Sunday sermon, not just a Wednesday night teaching, but you hear the Word of God. You're constantly feeding your faith, you're hearing somebody teach and preach or read Scripture, or you yourself, as we said earlier, are speaking the Word of God. That's the cure for this kind of unbelief. Now the second kind of unbelief is the unbelief of being unwilling to act on the Word of God. Now, where did this happen? Well, we won't turn there today, but Numbers 13 and Numbers 14 speaks about an evil heart of unbelief. There is, or actually Hebrews 3.12 calls it an evil heart of unbelief. But Numbers 13 and 14 is when Israel came up to the Promised Land and they didn't go in the first time. Remember the story? That's when they were... That's when they were set back for 40 years. And it was all because of unbelief. You see, God told them what to do through the servant Moses. They had the word of God. They heard the word of God. They knew God's instructions. They refused to act. They chose not to believe. Have you ever thought about it? You choose what you believe. You choose what you believe when you choose what you hear. You choose what you believe when you choose what you say over your life. But you're choosing. And so you can choose to get in the Word of God, hear the Word of God, believe the Word of God, declare the Word of God, and faith will come in your life. And so how do you, you fix the first kind of unbelief by hearing. How do you fix the second kind where you're just unwilling to act on the Word of God? You fix it by repenting and then acting on the Word. You just do what the Word says. No matter what you feel like, no matter what it looks like, no matter what else is going on, you choose to be a doer of the Word of God. Amen? So I just want to leave you with that today. I've got more, but we just don't have time to go into more. I want, to, uh, I want to just leave you with that and just let you begin to think uh, in your own life uh, where you can act on the Word of God. What can you begin to do? What can you change if necessary or need to change that will put you into position of faith? Because when you get there, that's when you get rewarded. When you get there, that's when you're positioned to receive what God has provided through the finished work of jesus it's really not difficult i i I know that in, in this kind of teaching we take a lot of time try to come at it from a lot of different angles and and illustrations and examples and so it makes you know it does take a while to get through the message but it's really not hard it's very very simple it's really so simple you just you'd have to have a theologian to mess it up it's very very simple so you just make the right choices about what you hear. You make the right choices about what you say. You choose to act on that word. And the first action of faith is speaking. I've got to quit here. We can't go on, on and on. But you've got to make those choices. And there is nothing impossible. You can believe you can declare, you can speak, you can confess, you can access the power of God to fix anything. The Bible says all things are possible to him that believes. So that means if I can get rid of the unbelief, if I can if I can get the cure for the unbelief, then I can I can believe, and then all things are possible. So, so, if unbelief is curable, then nothing is impossible. So, that's why we want to get into this, and we want to stay in the Word until we are so sure, just like Hebrews 11, the C-E-V, faith makes us sure. In other words, we know. It can't be any other way. It has to be. Like God said, my body has to align with the Word. My circumstances have to align with the Word. I am lined up with the Word, and everything about me is going to have to line up with the Word. That's where we get to. Amen. Father, we just thank you for your Word. We thank you for the anointing. We thank you for your power and your presence in our lives. We ask you this morning, Lord, that you would open our eyes to see those things we need to see. What we've heard that it be, uh, we would retain it, and especially those areas that perhaps were revelation for us, those things where, the, where our eyes were opened to see something in a way we maybe hadn't seen it before that we don't leave here and forget it. We're not forgetful hearers, but we're doers of the word. We ask for this in the name of Jesus. Heads are bowed and eyes are